Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. started. I'm excited. Yes. Yay. Hallelujah. God bless. The Lord is true. I'm excited about being here today. Welcome, Blog Talk Radio listeners. And in a minute, we're going to welcome our social media viewers. God bless you. I'm excited about being here today. <clears throat> Listen, I was coming in, right? And I said to Norma, Norma, I'm blazing. So I have no idea if I'm a blazing a flame or blazing a trail, but blazing is happening today. And I'm going to rejoice in God. I am excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm excited about God doing God. I'm in love with him, fall in love with him anew every day. And I know you do too, because, you know, we got the good God. We got the right king. We traded up. But do you see all my balloons? You know, last week I, I kind of prodded my producer. I said, how am I going to have a five-year milestone and no celebration? Well, see, I'm going to tell you something about Prophet Ashley. You only get her once. You better make that count because she's, mm-mm. And so she let me know. I didn't even know she was going to do this. Look at that. I got balloons, five-year balloons. I got rings hanging. I got, I, I'm excited. And wait a minute, guys, look. Yes, it's three on the table, and they're all mine. I'll share one with Prophet Ashley and one with Prophet Deer. Oh, okay, because I like these. Five years, five years ago, God used this broadcast, which in the beginning just started out as a prayer call, used it to pull me out of the doldrums of a horrible trial. And I always thank God, because if you do not sink down in your sorrow, the Lord will use that sorrow as a springboard to catapult you into the next thing he has for you. And many people don't know that that's God's secret. Your devastation can really be a clearing for elevation. And sometimes you get so in love with your devastation, and then you become bonded to it, and then you become addicted to it, and then you become habitualized for it, and the next thing you know, your whole ministry turns into that about your devastation, and you never really tap into your elevation. Isn't that good? I know it's good, because it was good when God said it to me. So I think when I get the goodies, I just bring them to you all. But your devastation does not mean stagnation. You don't have to stagnate in what happened to you. You don't have to vegetate in what happened to you. You can actually use that as an opportunity and a springboard to go into purpose because God is always going forward. We stay still. We dig in our heels in our sorrow. But God is always going forward. When you write that down, my devastation was meant to be a springboard for my elevation and not my stagnation. 
You have got to think differently about life events because life happens to us all. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes, time and chance happen to everybody. Nobody escapes it. Nobody, not even Jesus. The moment he began flesh, he became the product of this world and subject to all of the life events that he has been stewarding over the ages. Oh, I'm excited today. Today I'm excited. Stuff is going to happen. Things are going to break free for you. You're going to be free today. You're going to have a new way of thinking because until we change your thoughts, we cannot alter your walk. And we need to change your thoughts because some of you all have stopped walking with Jesus because you got bonded and yoked in your devastation. You became resentful. You became, you know, uh, vindictive, vengeful. You became bitter. You became dysfunctional. You did all of that because it was payback for God not letting you go up the way you want to rise. I have such good wisdom for you today. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got my little thing. I got my slap cloth. I got a little blow thing here. Well, I need a surprise. I want surprise. Come on. This was a surprise. This is my I got polka dot balloons. Yes. Yes. I want to kick off with a surprise. Is my surprise coming or going? Here. It's here. Yeah. All right. Come on, surprise. In light of our 3D testimonial yes. series that we're on, we thought we'd bring on the show one of your precious come home testimonials. Come in. On time. Hi.
it is not, I mean, all we can do is just give you, lead you to the light, lead you to enlightenment, but it's in your hands because souls are bound by volition. Your will determines your wellness. I need you to recognize that. That's the first thing I need you to do. So this uh, over here is Pat Polikoff. I met Pat so long ago. I mean, she's been with me a long time. But you have to know the anointing. There are people who have an anointing to set souls free. I have that. Well, I got probably about 25 anointings. But we'll work with that one right now. And, um, and so <clears throat> I didn't know that this is what God had called me to do. And he just kept telling me, I was, as a pastor, when I first started pastoring, I would just tell people, well, that's not your issue. This is your so-and-so, but that's it, whatever. And I would just go in and pen it, and they would just, you know, people of faith, the people who took it at face value, took it, accepted it, used it, moved, got healed, moved on. A lot of them are in purpose today. I've dealt with in terms of helping people who are addicted, addicts, and then all other sort of dysfunctional behaviors and carrying on. I did not know the psychological vernacular for it, did not care. I just said, this is what God said, and God began to help people get free. Now, today's show is important because I have plans for you, you know? I've been reading John Jeremiah 29, 11 for you, and like Jesus, I have plans for you. I know the thoughts that I think of you, says the Lord and me, to do you good and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. My job is to see to it that that works in your life. Uh, two passages Jeremiah 29, 11, and of course, our favorite soul, um, um, passage from, uh, soul passage from John, and John, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper even as your soul prospers. Many people don't know that in the Bible, the soul is mentioned over 500 times, 500 times God talks about the soul. And if you go to the New Testament, you're going to find out, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, and I don't want to give it away for free, because what am I doing? I am setting up my personal, very private mentorship circle. It is subscription-based. You will be, have access to me for me de um, developing you. We'll have a variety of subjects. This one that we're doing now is kicking off the soul because sick people can't make other people well. Every, if, if, if the law of bringing forth that its own kind means sick people going to make more sick people. So if you think the body of Christ is sick, dot, 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 fill in the blanks. So I want to introduce to you what this is about. I wrote this book. Oh, did I write this book? Lord of Jesus. Woo! Wrote this book several years ago, 2014, so four years ago, and many of you bought it. And many more of you are going to buy it because I am teaching this book in my private circle. I am giving you an opportunity to do it. Now, why? Dr. Sykes, why don't you just do it free? Well, y'all know what free does. Free, come on here. I've given so much free to the body of Christ, I should be rich right now. So now it's time for me to harvest. And I want to harvest on the seeds that I have. That's number one. But there is a secondary reason that's above the first. And that secondary reason is this. People have to want it. I just said, your will determines your wellness. That's a quote from Dr. Paula Price. Your will determines your wellness. And your vows are driven by your volition. So I would say it again. Your will, your will, be it unto you according to your will. Now, you will say, well, I don't will to do that. Yeah, you do. You just don't know how you will it. 
Your will is the commander of your vessel. And so it determines how sick you are, how well you are, how weak you are, how strong you are, because you have what you have desired, you desire. And so you designed what you want your will to carry out. Oh, this is good. Go tell your friends, get on there, because she's going there today. I want you to click, 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 click. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell them you need to tell your enemies so we can help them start loving on you. All right. So here's this. So I wrote this book called 3D because God took me through a series of, of uh, visions and sessions, and he said, at the root of all disorders is disappointment. That's how we got the name, 3D. A soul restoration plan to take your life from distress to success. And this book is an instrument of divine intervention. I like that. Isn't that great? Instrument of divine, in- I told you, I'm a sh- listen, I got on red. Ish. Yeah, I'm going to cut up. I'm coming after you, though. And so this is it's a great book. Now, this is only one. I have 12. I'm trying to get them finished and published because this, this is, um, you know, 12 steps didn't start with the devil. 12 steps didn't start with higher power. It started with almighty God. 12 steps, it started out as Christ. But then when people get well, they forget to come back and bless them. So eventually, it just came down to some neutral God that you ever, whatever. Do you ever understand that when they took, come on, Jesus, I got something. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Boom. Did it ever cross any of your Christian minds that when you started talking about higher power and you started going into anonymous deities, that the, the, the devil of your addiction could be masquerading as your healer? So the devil that addicted you now gets the glory and the veneration of being the, the, the deity that's attempting or pretending to heal you and deliver you. Can I have a cloth? You, you keep the cloth. I got the book to death. There you go. All right, we're there. She get, I got books. So I want you to hear this. See, when we start, whenever you turn around and say, but this started out Christian and now it's not, you need to understand that, that by, by popular demand, people choose their addictive deities because they masquerade as therapists and healers. And I don't, I'm not talking about people because those are good folk out there. But you need to recognize when you say higher power, you have no idea who's going to stand and center stage on your treatment. You have no idea who's going to do that, who, who, who is really doing it, that Satan is an imposter. So y'all run around talking about higher power. You don't know who's filling the void, and you don't know if they're scrapping. They're probably fighting in the background trying to get, to get place in your life. But I promise you, and I know this by the Holy Ghost, all of y'all Christians, don't you do that. Don't do that. Do not fall into that because anonymously the same addictive spirit can now pretend to be your healer. So that is why you have so much recidivism. Because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. So having laid that, I told you I was going to get hot. Go ahead, share, 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 put some more buttons. Tell everybody you don't want to miss this here today because this I know. So I'm sitting home um, when I was still in Jersey, and the Holy Ghost says to me, he opens me up, he drops a book from heaven, it slaps me in the head, he said, you, it is given to you to know men's souls. Well, when you, you know, God gives you a prophecy, you're young, you don't know, especially something that profound, you're like, oh, Jesus spoke to me, isn't that wonderful? Took me over 15 years to comprehend that. And we were in, we were in prayer one morning. 
with the prophets. Love playing with my prophets. So we were in prayer one morning, and the Lord brought that back to me. He said, now I'm opening it up, and I'm awakening your channel so you have the capacity to hear what I tell you about human souls. I said, really? And I went for a season from like 2012 all the way up until now where I just kind of understood souls. I don't even, I mean, it was a, it's an anointing. Obviously, it's a gift. And so... Um, no, it isn't. God said it's not just a gift. It's a faculty. And so he gave me a faculty that will facilitate my capacity and my ability to penetrate souls. And I've had it. I've been aware of it since 1987. Didn't know what to call it. I just did it. You know, like I would tell folks, this preacher going to fall. This singer is not going to make it. This prophet is not of God. This, and, the, and it takes 20 years because souls reveal slowly. Things turn through a soul very slowly. So anyway... I got that, and once I accepted it, I got 3D. And then after I wrote 3D, I got biblical psychology. And I said, huh. And here's what's important. I'm going to read this, and I'm going to kick it to Pat to tell the story. But I have my trusty little Bible here. Wait a minute. Hold on. I just want you to know I'm still celebrating. So she brought, come on, come on. This is five years, guys. Five years. Hey, let's keep it light. You know, when you can laugh at yourself, you can pick yourself up. Yeah. So, Matthew, Matthew 10, because it's important that we understand. Hallelujah. Matthew 10. God gave me two passages of scripture. This is big enough even for you to see. I'm saying we can read that page. All by yourself, no glasses, no help. You should read that. But I want to tell you, because you need to understand where I am in this. Hold on. Let me get to the other one. I just want you to hear. There we go. Am I getting there? Yes. Mm. Mm. Where is it? Okay. Matthew 10. 10, 1. Let's see if I get my cross-references correctly. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal, heal all manner of sickness and disease. So I, I, I want you to, because you're not going to only see pieces of it. <laughs> I'm loving it. So I want you to understand that he said he gave apostles power against unclean spirits and what to cast them out and to heal all manner of diseases. Now, God can write all of this stuff in his Bible, but it's up to us to believe it. Okay? It's up to us to say, okay, God, so you really meant this. Oh, he really gave this. It took me all of those years because... When I heard it, I was thinking, I can't do that. Like, Peter, I can't walk on water. You know, it does, every storm does not have to be, you know, geological or meteorological. Every storm, some storms can be fearful. You're in the middle of a storm. When you're in the middle of your storm, Jesus comes and says, well, you, are you going to sit there and be rocked and, and, and destroyed? Are you going to get out and stand with me? And so he says he gave his 12 disciples he called and gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. Now, the word heal there is cure. Cure. 
Now, cure is different from healing, but you'll have to subscribe to figure out how to do that. All right? And then he gives the names of the 12 apostles. Look at how he does this. Because, you know, you hear, you hear uh, uh, a theologian say, well, he called them disciples. Yeah, he called, he called them. They came to him as disciples. He dispatched them as apostles. He says, now the names of the 12 apostles of these. And he runs them down. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Isaiah, and Livius, and um, whose surname is Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas, Iscariot. Now, I want you to understand, this man said, when I made you an apostle, I gave you power. Now, he said, over unclean spirits to cast them out. Not babysit them. Hallelujah. Not medicate them. Cast them out. He said, and then to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, hopping over, where it's reiterated, hopping over to Luke 9, we see it again, but it's a little different. I read Matthew several times because I want you to see if you can notice the differences. Because when you read the Bible, you have, and you read books about the Bible or, or theological excerpts from the Bible, you don't gain the context. So you assume Matthew and Luke are pretty much saying the same thing in a different way. Wrong, wrong, wrong. They're not. Let's look at Luke 9. Then he called his 12 disciples again. Jesus chooses apostles from his disciples. Oh, come on, I got <laughs> so you That's what you get for not holding on to the cross. See what happens? <laughs> now, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them, hear this, this is not the same, and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Not the same as Matthew. Matthew said he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. But in Luke, he's stepping it up. That apostle has been elevated. And he's saying, because he's going to the root. When you get rid of the devils, the body can be treated and made whole. So he says, he gave them power and authority. You know what? I got to hit something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lord Almighty. Okay. And he said, you know, I said, I'm all in red and whatnot. A cold, you know, some red brings out, you know, yellow brings out something else. I don't even know what that is. Okay. You get red on. I got red on. Red is fire. Fire power. I'm shooting, shooting my fire power. And so, he said he gave them power and authority over all. Underline and circle all. What does all mean? All you can believe in for. And to cure, to cure, cure. Now, Luke is a physician, so he's using a physician's term to cure because physicians' objective is to cure. They settle for treating. They settle for healing, but they are celebrated, and they celebrate when they can cure. And, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Isn't that powerful? Oh, is that good stuff? Oh, boy. To preach the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God got no sick people. So if you're going to hang out in the kingdom, you must be made whole. So I, I, I really love this, and, and, and I, I like how, you know, 
I, I, I like the Bible because that's why I have biblical psychology because I feel like the maker of the soul probably knows how to kill it or heal it. So you have to know that sometimes God won't heal you till you're in the place where he trusts the healer. So, so he doesn't trust every healer. There are a lot of people who can treat you, and he'll let people treat you until he can trust the healer. You know, I, I love my Bible. My Bible is my friend. And somebody broke down and bought me a big one. And I was like, I can see the plant. Hallelujah. Now, Isaiah is the last one I will read today. Are you writing these passages down? Because I want you to meditate on them. Are you sharing? Are you hitting the share button? Are you telling all of your friends to log on for the soul to be healed? Now, so Isaiah 1.6, from the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and purifying, a putrefying source they have not, that have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified or treated with ointment. God is saying that the reason life goes crazy is when the unsoundness of the soul affects the head. And he's saying that there is no soundness in his people from the top in the highest office in the land all the way down to the newest babe to be born and everything in between. So this is some God has been about soul healing for a very, very long time because that's where he, he knows what the issue is. Well, I can tell you how we got there and all of that, but truth be told, you need to subscribe to my circle because I'm not going to give this away free for folks to go run off and think they got it, think they have it, and think they're ready to do it. Without the fact, they can do it if they subscribe. Yeah, they could, but then you're under a different anointing and a different mandate. And so that's very different. And trust me, when you start seeing your soul get free, you're not going to want to behave the way you used to. You're going to want to convert your behavior or conform your behavior to your liberty. Okay, Pat, so here it is. It's on you. Tell us you can hit this. Oh, I need an usher. Help me. Oh, no. You know, why I got to talk now? They don't throw it every week. They say, sure, now you want to give it to me. You know, Prophet Asher said, sure, now you want to throw it. Well, when I came, before I came to Dr. Price and her ministry, I had all manner of and all manner of. And when I came to prophets, they would talk to me, not here, mm-hmm. but they would look at me and they would say, we can't find you. you but you were on, wait a minute, they had you on how many medications at that time? Oh, I've been probably, I would say 12 different medications. At that time. You get this, not at the same time, but, but you get this medication mm-hmm. and your side effects, they give you this medication. Mm-hmm. So when I met you, you were on, I was. what were you on? I mean, I, I don't even remember. I but. can't remember all uh-huh. of the names, but they were serious, heavy duty <laughs> Uh, mental health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they were healthy. Were you getting healthy? <laughs> <laughs> and then they had to give me another medicine because that was making me sick. All that kind of thing. So uh, um, I got off of all of those medicines. Medication. It took time because we had years. It took, it took time. It really took time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I met Dr. Price in 1996. She was at a prophetic. Uh, conference in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. You remember that? With, um, it was our actually our first professor. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was Tulsa, wasn't it? It was. It, yeah, it was up on uh, Memorial yes. up there. Yeah. And uh, so that was it. I was fascinated. I was amazed, you know. And then later on this channel, I saw you, and I was like, oh, there she is. Mm-hmm. But 
she's in New Jersey. And underneath it said Tulsa with a telephone number. Oh, I called, talked to Prophet Ashley, and there I was. <laughs> for good forever, you know. <laughs> but um, the healing, I went to every kind of treatment. I went to every course on deliverance. I took, I took every counseling I could. I read the Bible. I talked to the Lord. All of that kind of thing. And I knew that I was not delivered. I hmm. knew I was not healed, and I was desperate what was wrong with me that I couldn't get healed, mm. you know. And as you say, God will allow people to treat you mm-hmm. until the healer comes, mm-hmm. you know. And I have to put in a plug for this. You can put in astounding. I mean, if you just <laughs> open the book and read five pages, the first five mm-hmm. to ten pages, and do what it says and get an advisement with it, yes. get somebody walking mm-hmm. you through it, um, just begin. You see that this is a, it, this is astounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. Now, Pat, you know, Pat has been here so long. She probably forgot. But but when I met Pat, look at look look in the camera. You see how bright her eyes were. I did not know her eyes were that color. Her eyes were pitch black. So imagine my surprise when I said, "What's wrong with you? Your eyes are funny." Okay, that's the. The, 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 the extent of medication that she was on. And that some were psychotropic. There were some to wake her up, some to put her to sleep, yes. some to get her walking, some to help her sit down, some to help her get up, you know, on and on and on. And so when we met, I looked at her and I thought, huh, what an interesting woman. She said all of the right things because true to the new creation, her heart, her new heart was talking. Even though her brain was like, what, what? And so we started talking, and I remember the day that I, 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 she, was, she started fellowshipping at my ministry, and I would just look at her, and I'd pray for her, zoop, 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 and I kept saying, what is wrong? I prophesied to everybody. I stand in front of her, nothing. I would prophesy and prophesy, stand in front of her, nothing. Total sound, silence. I could not get in her soul. Oh, I'm talking to somebody today. I could not get in her soul. And so we were in, we had our first Tulsa Prophetic Forum, which was just a simple luncheon. And I prophesied to everybody in the room. I get to her doing. And so I sat down because I'm determined to break through. I'm a stubborn lady when it comes to things like that. And I said, oh, I said, God, why can't I get through to her soul? He said, it's over-medicated. And it, those, that medication was guarding me. And it was pushing me, blocking me. So, I'm, so she's listening. She wants to hear from the Lord. And, and you even wonder, why don't I get a word from the Lord? I said, you know, I, now many people would skip over that and say, well, the Lord's not talking, so I won't. Or something like that. Or make something up. I didn't. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pierced this, this bond against her so you will hear me. I call you, Pat, up out of this. I call you by your name. Come up that the Lord may talk to her. Man, I want, then I couldn't shut up. I could not shut up at all. And from that moment on, we began the journey of restoring her soul. David said, but the Lord restores my soul. God is a soul restorer. And he is, you know, he's interested in it. So when I, when I finally got there, she just, I mean, uh, right away, I didn't even know. Now, I knew not all this other stuff, but I'm telling you, this is all after the fact. She tells me this later. Bless her heart. Because I probably would have said, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, sometimes God has to keep the messenger ignorant and blind so that he can just use them as an instrument. 
And so we did that, and we, we began to, I began to minister to her, and she began to, to take it in because all that medication was even blocking what the Holy Spirit was trying to get up from the new creation and trying to get in from the outside. And so it took us a lot of years. A lot of years because souls grow slow and heal slower. We want to go to a deliverance line. That's, I mean, in the deliverance line, I 100% believe in deliverance. He said cast out. But you'll notice that they stop at cast out and nobody goes on to heal. Healing is not a single-step process. That's why we have treatment plans and not treatment moments. It's a, it's a process, a step-by-step process. And it goes a while. And all the while I'm ministering to her, God is telling me, which, what, what, what am I facing? Because the soul is so complex that you think when you get the first guard out the way or the scout out the way, you think that person's free. No, no, it's a lot. A lot involved Jesus with the mad man from Gadara. He, now, this is Jesus. He's cast all of them out, had a legion, all of them left at once. But you know what he did? The Bible said the next thing you know is Jesus clothed them. And then after that, sat him down and began to teach him and to train him. What is he training him on? On how to live free because he's been formed by deviation. And so his soul is still deviant because that's his shape, that's his formation. And he's teaching the soul how to become reformed to live free. Is this talking to are y'all are you guys rolling with me? Are you there? Okay, so this is what happened. So then, and trust me, this is not Dr. Price alone. The Holy Ghost was talking to her. He's talking to me. The prophets and I, we united on this because we needed her for Pat's gifts and anointings, her brain. Are you kidding? God's like, I, I got work for that brain. I can't have it crazy. I got to fix this brain up because this is a utility to me. You realize your wholeness and your wellness is a utility. It's not just an instrument. It's a utility for God. Because he needs to use it. Her testimony, I know today, is changing a lot of you. And it still took, how long now? You met, when was it that we started? Huh? Well, I saw you in 1996 here in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. I came to the ministry after you moved here in 2003. 2003. Yeah. So now we're talking about 1996, which was nothing but, the, but just the trigger. We just scraped off the top. And then 2003 to now. And she's still a few more steps. God has done some amazing things in her life. The rest of her testimony, I'll let her put it on her Facebook page. But I wanted you to see, a, and I have a successes all over the place. Now, some people walk away and never come back. I've been on kids. You live them free, I'm going to be all right, because I still have more to come. But even in our ministry, people who have been addicted, people who have been molested, people who have been victims of crime, all of that, we cover in this, but can you believe in this little kitty book? We cover it all. So I want to thank you, Pat. Thank you. Welcome I back. You. I thank love you, you too. So much. Welcome back. We are going to visit in a moment when we're done. But I wanted you to hear from somebody that it actually worked for. And we have more. So I don't know how many more success stories I got out there. But if you have a Dr. Paula Price soul healing success story, post it on my page. I want to hear it. People want to know because many times you think you know what a person does and you know the scope and depth of what God has assigned folk to do, or you think folk are staying because, well, they're brainwashed. No, they're not brainwashed. They're brand new. And brand new makes you happy. Brand new makes you loyal. You people are often, I mean, a madman from Gadara, the guy Jesus here with the Legion, he didn't want to leave Jesus because he was grateful. He was loyal, and he wanted to stay with him and be a part of what he's doing. 
So this is what I'm offering you today, and then I'm going to get a little bit into the book because I'm going to talk about how to know if your soul needs to be healed. Now, we all know that none of us are perfect. There's none righteous on that one. But we are, and that our righteousness is as filthy rags without the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that. But what we're talking about is functionality, being able to function under your own scheme in the world every day and being able to take control of those things that, that rise up and veer you off course or try to paralyze you with fears and paralyze you with, with memories, all of those kinds of things. This is what God gave me. Now, God has tons of healers because not everybody is going to respond to a single person healing, anointing, path, anything like that. Everyone's different. Everybody's different. And there's one thing I want you to remember about soul bondage and soul captivity. We have got to find the lie that that enslaved you. Because if we don't find that lie, we cannot erase it or replace it with God's truth. Because people are not all subject to the same opposition, the same despair, the same disappointment. But ultimately, disappointment is the umbrella. I don't care if you're, you're talking about an infant. An infant, if you have an infant that is that, that born joyful, born jovial, happy, you ignore that baby. You, every time it reaches out for you, you walk away or you slap it or you hurt it. Eventually, disappointment sets up in the heart of that infant. And then, or, or neglect. So that's how deep-rooted, deep-seated disappointment can be. Or that infant that, that expects you to pick them up and you won't. And then you never go and counterbalance that with affection and with attention and with affirmation and consolation. If you never do that, that infant is going to ultimately begin to expect to be ignored. And as a result, develop ways, even if they aren't hitting the intelligence, develop ways to console and soothe that, that disappointment. And so it doesn't take intelligence for your emotions to work. See, sometimes we think that. We think that if, we're, if we are aware, if we're alert, most times the things that are, that are um, devastating you, the things that are debilitating you, they are not even in your in, in, intellectual scheme. They don't speak to your brain at all. They just don't. They're just moving around your intelligence through your body. And you have got to understand this is what God wants to deal with. So think about how many times you said, it's okay. It doesn't matter. I don't care. All of those are literally consolation prizes for disappointment. And they also become something else. And so you use those, and they serve a particular soul protection purpose. Is that good or what? So you don't realize it, and the things that come out of that are what we will discuss when you become, when you subscribe to my mentorship circle. It's private. It's mentorship. We're dealing with soul and a whole lot of other things. Right now, you can't go forward with six souls. You can build. You can do material things. You can do manual things. Materialization and manualization will come from a sick soul. But it takes maturity to build as opposed to erect. 
So we can we can get you you, you can and put up a building with a person who goes home every night and gets drunk, but you can't fulfill the purpose for which that building was erected until that person's mature. Immaturity is the number one thing that defines how you handle what happens to you in life or maturity. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.11 that we are to come into the, you know, a perfect man to the measure and stature of Jesus Christ. That is the gauges, the metrics, and the rule or the linear stature, the stand of Jesus Christ. And that's not easy because everybody comes into the world capacitated for soul sickness, soul devastation, soul dysfunction. Everybody does it. I often say to parents, and if you're a parent, you're probably going to appreciate this. I often say to parents of young children, you have to start training their soul because it's the soul that determines the success a, a, a youngster receives and the longevity of that success when it is attained. You have got to start training your children's soul, not just their character. We're good at training their character. But often our character training leads to just a veneer that ends up becoming a deceptive uh, tool or a deceptive instinct to protect itself. So I'm not going to tell you the truth because I don't want you to get mad at me. I won't tell you. I won't say this because I'll, I'll follow along with that. I'll go along with that because I don't want to be abandoned. I don't want to be ignored. I don't want to be isolated or neglected. All of those are real things. They don't happen in the brain. That if, since they're external, they may pass through the brain, but they actually receive their hierarchy and their other things from the heart. You must start developing this child's soul along with their mind. Your whole spirit, soul, and body must be developed. God says spirit, soul, and body. He gives us a hierarchy. Spirit, soul, and body. So we go from spirit to body in the church. And the world goes from soul to body. So still, we still don't get all through. It just doesn't happen. But God wants to heal his people because healed people achieve magnificent things. And healing is not perfection. You still aren't going to be any more perfect when you move into the healing that makes you mature in Christ, that enables your maturity to flourish, than you were before. Because there is none perfect, and even if you were 100% perfect, you did it 100% correct, guess what? You're still going to lend it or give it to an imperfect environment because everybody's not working on their soul per perfection at the same time you are. Isn't this good? Don't you like this? Doesn't it make you want to subscribe? Well, you're going to be able to do so because you're going to call Prophet Ashley, 877-419-1299, and she's going to give you some, uh, take the information so we can send you privately, because this is private, so we can send you a private packet and get you involved and become one of the me members of my private mentorship circle. I'm no longer flooding things out just because I want those who want it. I want the best of the best, and I don't apologize. You may not know that you're the best of the best, but it's my job to know that you are. You may not know what makes you qualified, what makes you eligible to be a part of this, but I know. I understand how to do that. But it's you. You have to let me do it. I am very good at this. And I'll tell you something. 
My folk will tell you, I'm very good at this. I this is not a coddling session. This is not a hope you figure it out on your own. This is not an enigmatic journey, struggling through the labyrinth of your emotions. This is none of that. This is straight up Jesus Christ. I need you whole. I know why you're bound. Surrender to me, and I will set your captive soul free. So let's talk about it. Do we understand when we say soul healing? Do we understand what we mean when we say captive soul? Do we really understand? Because we might not. Let's look at a few things. Again, some of you have this book, 3D, and you're all going to need it, so you might as well go to the website, drpaulaprice.com, go over to the bookstore, and get your copy. You need it. Now, I'm telling you, you're going to love this. Do you know what else? If you're a pastor, you can use this to take your whole church through. Do you know that? You're like, Lord, I don't know what to do with these people. And listen, do not cheat me because it's only going to boomerang on you. If you're taking your church through it, make all your church get the book. Besides, you're going to want them to get it anyhow because it's full of exercises. And next, see, we got exercises. Fill in the blanks. There's a whole lot. But you can take your church through this if you're a pastor. You don't know what to do. They, you know they have various issues and dysfunction. You can take them through. Also, if you are a pastor, you need to subscribe to the mentorship circle so that you can get the information, the inside information that you need. Sugar pot cheese. Give me a honey. 877-419-1299. When you call, say, I'm calling because I want to know more about Dr. Price's private mentorship circle. I'm telling you, I want mentees that can be developed, who will endure, who will submit to the process. I do not want mentees who are going to tell me that they only signed up for, to show me that they are already healed. If you're already healed, stay out. Stay there. Because I'm not that healed. So there you go. Every day, I'm in Jesus' face. Every day. Every night, I'm in his face. Every day, he's causing, he's slicing, he's extracting. He's installing every day. And I've been walking with this man since 1985. And you know what? I'm better than I was, but I'm not all that I can be. And I'm always looking forward to be all that I can be. So if you want to be a part of Dr. Price's private mentorship circle, then you need to call 877-419-1299. Now, wait till after the show, because you know Prophet Ashley's still doing show. You know, you all are like, ooh. It's, oh, we have staff. Uh, my staff can take the, um, your, your information. What you're going to do when you make that call is you are simply going to say, I want to give you my information so that I can find out how to become a member, how to subscribe. It is a subscription. It is a subscription, and it's not free. You know, Abraham said about his wife when Sarah died, he was so well-liked in the community, in the village that they were living, where they were living. He just, he said, I just want to give me a place to bury my, my dead, to bury my wife. They're like, pick a place. He said, no, I need you to let me buy the place. Why? They're like, are you kidding? You're our brother. You're a pillar of the society, pillar of the community. Um, why, do, why don't you just take what you want? Any one of us here will give you land. He said, I will not, I will not bury my wife or something that's cost me nothing. You will never be better at what you are called to do if you keep chasing the freebie lane. Free is free for a reason. And it's not because it's the best. 
So I have, uh, when it comes time for me to work with people, if you don't have an investment, you will not protect that investment. And if you don't protect that, if you don't make an investment, you have nothing to protect. So you will not take what I teach you and what I uh, say to you seriously. You will always, well, I missed my appointment while I was late, but something else popped up. I work with nobody who skips appointments with me. I will cut you off because it's your job to make sure that what you say you want God to do you're there to receive it for him to do it. I don't do it. I will not. You skip my session, I'm going to cut you off. I'm telling you that now because I want the best of the best, and the best always wants to be there. The best always wants to finish. The best always wants to not miss a thing. They want all that they can get. See, a lot of y'all, because y'all are pastor raised and pastor bread and pastor led, y'all used to pastor just indulging you. I'm not. I'm Dr. Paula Price. I'm the chief of prophet of New Era Apostleship Restitution, and I want you to understand I want the best. I need powerful soldiers. God needs mighty people. You don't become mighty by missing. You don't, come, you don't become mighty by missing meetings and missing counseling and missing rehearsal and missing prayer and whatnot. You want to be the missing mighty. That doesn't work. And somebody needs to say that. We need to reset that. You pastor, stop indulging these sheep. If they want it, then let them reach for people will never respect or regard anything that they don't have to reach for. That's what Abraham was saying. If it didn't cost me anything, then I, I'm not going to revere it. I'm not going to respect it, and I'm going to disregard it easily. This whole idea that everything you get from the church should be free, that didn't come from Jesus Christ. That came from the, the, the early church, those ancient theologians. That didn't come from Jesus Christ because the world is empowered because it runs on a different system. God wants you to invest Invest in your healing. Invest in your learning. It said buy the truth and sell it not. Those are real principles. Those are principles that you don't get from a pastor who is not equipped to perceive what it's costing him or her to have you uninvestable. So you need to invest. Paul said it. He said if we sow to you spiritual things, then you ought to reciprocate with material things. I've been sowing to you all for years and years and years. Some of you all have been amazing. You've taken very good care of me. Others have not. You've not even thought about it. And you know what? And, it's, and, and when I sow, it's profiting you little. To homes, jobs, heal children, get sons and daughters out of jail. My mantle is real. But you know what? I'm no longer going to let it be way out there. Paul, we said, Paul said, freely you receive, freely give. Back and have Paul rethink some things because we get to 1 Corinthians 9. It said that they that preach the gospel ought to live from the gospel. So you need to recognize that if you've been ripping God off, that is why your life isn't working. That is why I don't care how successful your business is, you still haven't hit the pinnacle of what God has because God's a businessman. And a businessman, business people work on transactions. We have to have an exchange. You go to the store for a transaction. I need a product. They need your money. That, is, that goes all the way back to eternity. That's an eternal principle. So you, you have not completed your transactions with the Holy Ghost. I've had people, I pray, there's a couple of major people. I mean, if I call their names, it will blow your mind. I labor with them to turn their situations, et cetera. They never sent a nickel. Not a, not a nickel. And you know what? That situation came back on him because God's a businessman. Spirit realm runs on transactions. 
The spiritual must be clothed in the material. And the material must be embodied by the spiritual. That's the law of the kingdom of Christ. You can go to all the psych, you go to your little psychologist, you go to your therapist, and you go cashing out. You go ready to, okay, well, they charge me so and so. Yeah, but you know what? Your thing is, I don't care what it costs me. If I can get my mind back, if I can get my soul back, if I can get my will back, if I can get my health back, if I can get my energy back, it will, it, there is no price I wouldn't pay. So, no, it's not going to be free. And it's going to be a subscription. So we'll do month by month. That way, if you don't like it, you walk away. If, if I feel that I am not for you, I will release you to walk away. I'm pretty good, so I can pretty much cover a lot. But there are those that are unresponsive to what God has given me. I'm not offended by that. That means that that is someone else's work. Is this okay? Are you all following me with this? Because this is a new day in the kingdom. And that soup line, free line, kitchen pantry kind of attitude toward what is God's greatness, the, the, magic, the majestic of God's kingdom and his provisions, his providences, that's going away. You're going to meet the other side of the king. And God is a reciprocal God. What do you think all of those offerings are in the Levitical system? Some of you all go to church every week, give God $2, and you want a $2 million blessing. That's insulting to him. That is offensive to him. He's like, so I'm only worth two bucks? Well, he did take the widow with the two mites, yeah, but the widow with the two mites gave all she had. Your two bucks is nowhere near all you have. But see, you want to get healed. You want to be powerful in God. You want to get his best tap into those, those uh, what do you call it, providences of the Lord. You're going to have to do better. You're going to have to change your mind. God's not a free ride. You all have been freeloading in the kingdom so long that you don't realize that that's the reason you haven't moved. And so now all of that has contaminated your soul. You've listened to all those people. I listen to churches all the time. You hear these kind of arrogant pastors, elitist pastors. Oh, no, we don't take an offering. Why? Because we don't believe that, and we don't, we don't require tithes. Yeah, but God requires tithes. Eternity requires tithes. Who are you? And you can say that because you have enough money to take care of your life, because when God bankrupts your, your own personal economy, you don't want some tithes. Because the tithe is eternal. The tithe is eternal. It is not temporal. The tithe did not begin with the law of Moses. The tithe began with Abraham. The same place salvation began. The same place covenants began. It began with Abraham. The tithe is eternal. You cannot tell people that they ought not to pay tithe because you have a good salary. They still need to obey God. You have no right to tell these people not to stretch for God. You have no right to tell them not to go and reach deep for God. You have no right to tell them not to breach the eternal attack system. The tithe is eternal. Stop telling people it's under the law. It is not under the law. They were tithing before there was a law. They were tithing before Abraham even had Isaac or Jacob. Melchizedek came and collected a tithe from the war because it started out as a war tax and it moved into providential tax. God uses your tithe to provide. Oh, let me show that box. You go to a church where they tell you we don't believe in the tithe, you need to move. Because the tithe is eternal. That means you're not, you're literally not depositing in your eternal account so that you can have a hedge against calamity. That's what Matthew, uh, Malachi 3 is talking about. 
that your pride gives God a reason to supersede all of your flaws, all of your failures, all of your mistakes, and all of your incompatibilities with him because you made a business transaction. I tie. You watch. People who are on the top are I tie. And, and when you read your Bible and they're appealing to Jesus, they tell Jesus all the things they did for him. I did this. They did that. Blah, 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 because they know he's a transactor. Oh, there's anybody here in my are you kidding? You don't have any place to tie? Tie to the congregation of the mighty. Go online, drpaulaaprice.com. You owe God some tithes? Catch him up with us. You know my mantle is worth it. You know this word is worth it. So if you're sitting home because you haven't, God hasn't set you in a body yet, then you send your tithes, drpaulaaprice.com. And you put on there, Dr. Price, this is me. This is my name. I'm catching the Lord up because I need to catch up my account in the kingdom. See, a lot of you all, you want soul healing. You can't get healed. Or you can't gossip. Are you one of my accounts? I don't see you in my account anymore. Hold on. What's your name again? No, you're not there. So he, and he said that. He said, when your tithe account is depleted, the enemy is literally coming in. So why does the enemy come in? Do you want to know? They probably don't want to know. Want to know. Do, okay, I'll tell, I'll tell them. The reason the enemy comes in like a flood and the enemy has a right to access your wealth, your prosperity, your home, is because when you withheld your tithe, they went to him. See, you chose to not pay your tithe so that you could pay something else that belonged to the world. So when you withhold your tithe from the kingdom then you actually divert them. You don't withhold them. You just divert them to another deity, to another issue, to the world. So then they're coming because you cut covenant, your transaction with them. Anybody hearing me today? Your transaction, when you withhold your tithes from the Holy Ghost, Then you you have you think you're withholding them, but you're not. You're diverting them. You divert what is God's to the world. So the world said, "Well, you created a covenant with me. We have a transaction. I have a right to come in and do what I do." Because your tithe is protection money. Your tithe is present, prevention money. Your tithe is barrier money. It is what God used. Does God need cash? No, God doesn't need cash, but your heart does. That's why you always locked up around it. So your tithe actually equates materially is cash, but spiritually it equates to your love. For where your heart is, there's your treasure. And where your treasure is, it's in your heart. So God's like, you treasure money. I want what you treasure. I want 10% of what you treasure. And that's eternal. If tithing is eternal, then you have to know that they tithe in God's world. If it's eternal, then they tithe in heaven, which is who was Melchizedek. He was, a, he was literally a heavenly citizen detached, dispatched to this world. He was an eternal detachment in this world to establish Abraham, who was to be the future heir of the world, and Abraham's seed that were going to take his place. You can play around with it all day long, but I'm telling you, the tithe is not the law. It was never under the law. It was the tithe predates the law, and because Abraham maintained the tithe, he was able to enter into his promise because he understood it to be a transaction. 
you realize that Melchizedek showed up with communion when Abraham was giving God a tenth of all. Nothing says to God more better or more uh, honest than you recognizing every week you get a paycheck is because God backed down the enemy. Every week that you, that you don't get laid off, every week that you don't get fired is because God is using your transaction. He is working because he's a businessman. God is a God of exchange. That's why we call it transaction, trans, change, the action. Your ties change the actions that take place or that are legitimized in your life. Do you all like this or what? So you go, well, I'm sorry, but if I give my money to a preacher, you're not giving a tie to a preacher. Just like you don't care about what that teller does with your money, does for um, after they get off work, you shouldn't care about that preacher. All you know is that the bank has your money. That bank is holding your money. That bank is putting it to your account. That bank is keeping you secure. You, that teller is not to be there next week when you go, but they're there today to collect your deposit. Likewise, your preacher. You pray for your preacher, but you pay your tithe because your tithe are for the, the Lord, your tithes are for your eternal account. It is a transaction between you and God. Tithe, money creates covenant. Write this down. Money creates covenant. Money creates covenant. Money creates covenant. Money creates covenant. And wherever your money is, you have created a covenant. You have a covenant with the utility company. You have a covenant with your car dealership. You have a covenant with that supermarket. You have a covenant with your insurance company. You have a covenant. Why? Because wherever you put your money, it creates covenant. And that covenant is ratified and it's continued. It's maintained and strengthened every time you pay your part, every time you do what you are supposed to do. You stop paying your light bill, you're going to sit in the dark because you broke covenant. See, that's what he's talking about. So when you saw, well, you know, the tithe, you shouldn't tithe. That is wrong. Those are people who did not read their Bible. I don't care how wealthy your church is. I don't care how wealthy your pastor is. The CEO of that bank is probably pretty well off. But guess what? That has nothing to do with you. You still need to make your deposit if you want to create a covenant and you want to change the action of your life. You can't be more wealthy than God, and he still requires your money. And he requires it from the little widow with the two mics and the billionaire with the endless countless mark. He requires it because money creates covenant, and you want to leverage your future calamity, then you need to pay your time, and you need to catch God up. You don't know how to do it, drpaulaprice.com, and you don't have a church, because I'm telling you that this is why some of you all are sick, because you have not given God a reason to intervene. Especially if you're not going to be a perfect Christian, you ought to at least be faithful in your tithes and offerings. If you're not going to be perfect, then at least pay your tithes. Then God knows that eventually you are going to come out of your mess and begin to, to deal with him and treat him properly. But let me tell you, you treat God really good when you pay your tithes because you know what? It's an investment. It's an investment in your future. It's an investment in your kids. You pay your tithes, your kids are going to be blessed. You know why? Because God has to do something. He has to reciprocate for all of the funds that you have paid into your account to him. He doesn't need your money. 
but he, do, he does need you to keep him in your consciousness, and nothing does it better than remembering to pay your tithes. Now, I've had people to say, well, I'm sorry, I would have paid the tithes, but I didn't have the money. The reason it is a percentage is because you always have the money. Percentage means you'll always have it. A tenth. Well, but if I pay my tithes, then, then I'll lose my, my house. No, you won't. I promise you, you won't. Now, I'm not telling you to go and give all of these ridiculous offerings. I'm saying the tithe is the Lord's. He already put a mandate on it that every dime you get, one-tenth of it is mine. It is mine. It is not your money. And when you don't pay your tithes, you literally are doing to God what you would do to a utility company. That is, you're going to spend their money on something else. Well, you know, I was going to do it, but. And you get favor. God gives you favor. He gives you years and years. But eventually, when he realizes that you don't believe in his time and you don't believe that he's worthy of the first portion in your life, when, you re- when he realizes that, he pulls back his hands. And that's when the, the wall drops, the shields drop, and, and the enemy can rush in over the wall of your life. Because that's who has collected your tithe. When you don't give it to the Lord and you keep it in your house and you keep it in your pocket and you keep it in your account, when you don't do that, when you do that and then you think God's going to protect you, he doesn't have to. Then you're running on mercy, and mercy is his prerogative. And if he doesn't like the reasons why you have not, that you have neglected his tithe, then he's not going to intervene. And people can say, that's not God. You can go by what people preach or you can go by what you see. Because your preachers can stand up there and say all that kind of stuff. But you can go by that. Because when you don't pay your tithe to God, then Satan gets money. That's why the, 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 the rock stars and the rappers and the artists and the celebrities, they're all getting your money. And the devils that anointed them are getting your tithe. And so the devils that are anointing them are coming into your life to honor that covenant you created with them. See, we don't tell you about it. Could you, well, that's just legalistic. The, the, the tithe was not a law. The tithe came out and began as an act of faith and gratitude. Oh, somebody. It came from, it did. It did not come out from law. It passed down to God as the seed of Abraham. The law is one thing, but the tithe is what the seed of Abraham honors, and they pay it. And you are the seed of Abraham because you're of Christ. So the tithe is Abrahamic. It's Melchizedekian. It is not Sinai. And you need to understand that. So your pastors led you wrong. And you, and you know what they preach there? You know, you got those little arrogant folks that they got so much money, they don't need anything. But they don't need it, but God does, because God still got to take care of the poor. God still got to take care of the rich. I mean, the sick. God still got to keep people, and he's got to take care of orphans. God still got a lot of business to do with the tithe that you don't think he's worthy of. I don't know. I won't give the church money, but the church is the body of Christ. So when you don't want to give it to the church, you don't want to give it to Christ. And you know what? He owes you nothing. So when you're on your sick bed talking about God help the chemo, God is going to still say, but wait a minute, you didn't care about me. Remember, you didn't make any investment in my power. You didn't make any investment in my healing. You didn't make any investment in my deliverance. You didn't invest in my ability to set you free. You didn't invest in my ability to raise you up from your sick bed. You did not invest in anything that I can do. You did not invest in my providences. You did not invest in my miracles. You invested nothing in me. And now here you are ready to leave the planet. And you want me to come in. That's like going to a, a, a stock 
broker talking about, I want to make a withdrawal, and you never invested. Now, you know, I'm going to get some of y'all because y'all, you know, those the religious devils do not want you to take their money from them and bring it back to the house of faith. So I know I'm going to get some of y'all right and talking about, you know, but that's, I, don't, I just don't see that. It's truth. And let me tell you, not only is it truth, folks living it. Saints are broke. Saints are poor. Saints are raggedy. They're sick. Their houses are wrecked. Their bodies are torn down. Why is that? Because you have surrendered no transaction with God and the two, three dollars that you give him and the little spare change that you give him. Come on. That little bit of money, God knows that that is what you would put a coin in a wishing well, and he doesn't like it. He is unimpressed. He said, I have too many people who think I'm great, so I'm backing them. I don't care. You can mess up. I'm telling you, you can mess up and go to God, but you know, God, I'm one of your people, and you know, look at my account, and I always did. I kept the ministry. I kept serving. I did. Yeah, but you still got to do the tithe, and there is no replacement for the tithe. There's no ministry work for the tithe. There is no prayer work for the tithe. There's no prophetic work for the tithe. There's no replacement for the tithe, and I'll tell you why. Because when you have committed to the tithe, if you are flat broke, and you say to God, I got to pay my tithe, and he knows you're an integrous person, somebody's going to give you the tithe. Because the tithe changes the action of your existence. It changes the action of the events that occur in your life. Oh, yeah, you, I don't know why I'm on this subject. I wasn't trying to be. Because where your heart is, that's your treasure. There, your treasure. And so if your soul is bankrupt, it's because you bankrupt the king. You have nothing in your account. Bankruptcy doesn't begin in your pocket. It begins in your soul. Somebody help me. Hallelujah. Did you all appreciate that? Did they put that? Yes. Sorry, I was going to have Exactly. And nothing is going to your credit in your name. I want you to recognize this. This is not about you so caught up in the cash, you don't see the transaction. The currency of the kingdom is exchange. Currency exchange did not begin in New York City and Wall Street. It began in eternity. And when I teach money is a spirit, we go all the way back into that. It is God's thing. God's a businessman. God wants exchanges. He works on exchange. And, and, and when you do your tithe, if you say tithe is obligatory, but if you want to step it up, that's when you do your offering. Say, the, Lord, the tithe is a bill I pay, but the offering is a gift I surrender. I bring my offering. You pay your tithe, but you bring an offering. Oh, somebody, let me hit a little something. You bring an offering because the tithe is a debt, a debt that you owe God for breathing air on his planet. Whether you save or not save, you need to pay tithe somewhere because God, that's a different element of God's economic institution. Paying your tithe is fiscally responsible in God's realm. You need to pay your tithe. I'm telling you, I don't know who you are, but you're fussing with God about, I've been saved this long, and, and, and I've done this, and I've done that, and the and least you can do is God is like, I don't know. All I've been doing is watching you tumble through life. But when I look in your account, I see nothing. I ask no kisses. He is the high priest of God's economy. 
Jesus is the high priest, but he is the, the subordinate. That's why he was in the planet, collecting God's money. That is what he does. So you all can talk about it. Churches ought not to be broke. There's, I don't care how big your church is or how small the church is. If, you, if you're a church that teaches the tithe and your people believe it and you persuaded them of it, you should always have more than enough. Now, you may not have the, all the excess you want, but you should have more than enough. When people come to me and they stand in front of me for prayer, even in my own church, I'm like, you pay your tithes? Well, um, oh, no, then I don't pray for you. I'm going to let somebody, I'm going to give you an intercessor. I won't touch you. I'm going to give you an intercessor. You know why? Because I taught you that, right. You want to stand here and get a freebie. This is not a welfare line. I don't have a welfare church. I, are you kidding me? I don't do it. Now, if they need to do it for a moment, I'm going to bless them. And I'm going to tell them, now, it's been 90 days. You need to fix that. But if you pay, pay your tithes, you leverage every economic, every, uh, every material need you have. You will, I'm telling you, because God said when you sow to him materially, he releases the spiritual. And because you despise spiritual things, you don't know what he's saying. He's saying, I'm releasing the spiritual codes to manifest the material reward and harvest that you need. How does he release them? Because God does everything by his word. Remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void, without form, void, and darkness was on the face of the east. So there was nothing there. He, he spoke. And so you want God to speak right over your life, speak right over your blessings, to speak right over and, and, and productively over your dreams and visions, you need to have an exchange. God's a businessman. I'm going to keep saying that. And no, I, no somebody's going to tell me, God's not a businessman. I'm thinking, oh, yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is, because he said, what should I give in exchange for their souls? I should give my firstborn. He said, I had to give my firstborn to get your soul. So God's an exchange man, and exchange is business. That's the work of business. That's the task of business, to accumulate wealth so that you can dissipate poverty. Oh, hallelujah. Am I on today or what, guys? Again, you want to pay your tithe if you don't have a church? And you want you want to put your ties where you know that right here, drpaulaprice.com. You don't want to do it on the internet. Eight seven seven four one nine one two nine nine. We got Tammy over there on the phone. She will get your information and process it. Some of you all still got your ties in the house. You got money in the bank. I'm sorry, against a rainy day. Let me tell you something. When you owe God, honey, you cannot ever have enough to protect the rainy day because God goes down the rain, bring you right in the storm. When you don't pay your tithes, you divert God's money to the darkness, to the world, then you actually pay the world to come and tear up your life. You are paying for the calamity that you have. You bought it, and they must deliver it. You can listen to all of those people. Yeah, but you know, this one fell and that one fell. Come on, banks fall all the time. And you know, you still go to the bank. And you know what they do? When a bank falls, the FDIC comes in, gives you a new bank, change the name, whatever else they do, and protect your money. So guys like the FDIC, which your, if your preacher could be a messy as food, first of all, you shouldn't be with a messy preacher anyhow. But if that is what you decide to do, don't worry about it. God's got your bank covered. Your tithes are covered in heaven. Jesus came on the planet. How often did he talk about the treasures that you built in heaven? You have a treasure account. What's in yours? God wants you to think differently. 
because he can't prosper you when you're thinking like this about money. I want God to make me rich so you can bankrupt this people. He's not going to make you rich for that. You need to understand God tests you with the time to know whether or not he can trust you with his abundance. It doesn't come, it doesn't come on you just because. Teach your children. Your children should be paying tithes from little kids. My kids had to get tithes. Every Sunday I said, you got your tithes? Yes. I don't care how much money they got. They had to pay tithes. I had them. They had to pay tithes. They had to bring an offering. They had to do a whole lot of things. Why? Because I was committed to them having something in their account in God. In our children's church, Prophet Adir requires these kids to bring some tithes and some offerings. And when my daughter, when we didn't have money for her to get in school, God drew on that tithe transaction and the accumulation of tithes that her father and I had, and he got her in school for peanuts, got her all kinds of grants, all kinds of, of uh, loans, all kinds of financial aid. She had all kinds of stuff. And you know why? I went to God. I said, man, God, you good. He said, hey, did you all built it up in her account? And you taught her to put it in her account. Leverage. Teach your kids to pay tithes. Because if they don't pay tithes to Jesus Christ, then they're obviously going to pay tithes to calamity. And crazy is going to happen in their life. Do you all like that? I have to, you know, Prophet Ash, I got to tell it. You know, I have to tell it. <laughs> hey, you got to know. Why, is, why can't I get the devil out of my house? Because you bought him. You bought this time. You bought this calamity. Calamity, you bought his invasion. You purchased it. By, uh, by neglecting to give God what's his. You purchase it. So the devil is doing you a service you paid for. Because if it doesn't go up, then it's got to go down. So when you think about, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't pay tithes uh-uh, because that's under the law. First of all, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Go read your Bible. See, because y'all got out the Bible, they can tell y'all any kind of thing. The whole thing. New Testament is the new, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it took you to break those timelines down. Because there was no law under Abraham. Abraham paid tithes by faith and gratitude. He was grateful for the God that gave him victory over five armies. And so he gave God a tenth of all. Melchizedek said, hey, I'm the priest. Whenever you get a victory, you need to look for a priest. You need to look for who God is sending you as his minister. I have broken a lot of folk free. When somebody breaks you free, the first fruit ought to go to the, to the Melchizedek counterpart that brought you and gave you that victory. Instead, you're going to send it to somebody big, and you're going to send it to them. Because why? Because somebody lied and told you that you get a greater harvest by, by sowing to richer people. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The woman with the, middle, with, uh, the two mites got more from God than all of the wealthy people who gave him something. God, has, God says his heart is always for the poor, especially for the poor that shouldn't be. So that was a lie. Y'all, all y'all business people, then you wonder why it didn't work. Yeah, I'm supporting so-and-so because you, uh, you tied up. You tied up to Melchizedek. You tied up to God. You don't tie up to the affluence of a human being. Who in the world would think that? 
But you know, y'all were told that. And so all of those, all of those poor prophets that, that spoke your prophecy, you robbed them. And that's why your business failed. That's why your money went another direction. That's why God blew on your wealth, because you were unjust. Because you don't take the wages of one person and give it to another. That prophet earned the wage of that tithe. That apostle earned the wage of that, that um, the miracle. And you gave it to somebody else that you highly esteemed who didn't work for it. You cheated them. And you're better than, than Jezebel and Ahab with Nebo's seal. I have people in my life, well, you know, I'm going to give you a little something, but I, I actually tied to this person up here who doesn't even know your name, number one, who doesn't care about your name, number two, and who only likes you because your numbers are big. You have a lot of people that you could have enriched. Let me tell you something. Man, I don't even know why I'm here. I can't even tell you why I'm here, but you know somebody is talking to the Holy Ghost. Somebody is praying to God, and you literally are saying to God, but I did this the way they said. You need to start doing it the way God said. Let me tell you something. The wealthiest person in the world is not wealthy because of what's in their pocket. They're wealthy because all of the people they made wealthy. All of the prophets that you bankrupt, all of the pastors that you bankrupted, all of them that you saw needed help, and you could have been a difference. You could have made a difference. I'm telling you now, this I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost. You did not. You missed a great opportunity to magnify your wealth because you should have enriched them. Because the more people you enrich, the more potent you become, the more powerful you become. If they, if they prove that they earn your investment, they earn your attention, they earn your, your seed sowing, if they demonstrated that, you should have enriched them. Because because you enrich them, you are richer. Because if you had enough money to make somebody else rich, you had enough to make somebody else that God wants to use and God needs to do something, able to afford it, they're able for God to get what he needs out of their purpose, financing what God told them to do. If you are that much, you are going to be wealthier for it. I promise you. We talk about all of these companies, all of these Internet companies. They made so many millionaires. It's ridiculous. Christians don't make them. We take from them, and we break them. Christians don't. Christian business people and Christian entrepreneurs, no, they don't do that. Do you realize what would happen if you did? Well, I did, and he fell. They, they don't care about people who fell. I mean, come on, Bernie Madoff made everybody look bad. Did they, they all give up? No, they just said, well, we're going to have to tighten up, and we're going to be a little more circumspect. Whenever you understand, Christians, you should have been the first to know. You're made great by the people you make great. And the greater the people you make, the greater you look. That's a principle the world understands, but not you. you I don't want them to look better than me. Are you kidding me? I need my people to be great. Y'all better be great. I'll fuss with them all the time. Yes, I do. Get out there and fulfill your purpose. Go start a business. Go do this. I mean, and they will tell you. You are not great because you are personally wealthy. You're made great by all of the people you make wealthy because you magnify yourself. And you multiply yourself. And so you can say you have that. Tell God, well, God, what do you need me to do? Then God will see to it that you never want for a thing. You never lie. And you know why? Because he knows that when he comes to you, for you to reciprocate, you're there for him. Most of you are not there for God, and yet you want him to be there for you. He needs you to be there for him. He needs you to be a hedge against Satan's onslaught and attacks against the people he gives vision and the people he's raising up. He needs you to be there so that you can finance, economize the next generation. Instead of talking about, I got five houses and six planes. Nobody cares about what you have. It's who you are able to get houses and planes that make you great. 
People are not upset about your plane. They're upset about the fact that you don't care that they don't eat while you, while you fly, that you don't care about them being cast out. You don't care. You're taking their little tithes and offerings that they almost can't even afford, and you turn around and bragging about how rich you are by their suffering. That, that's what it is. Let me tell you something. When you make enough people wealthy, you make enough people successful, people want you to show signs of their success. They don't begrudge you. They begrudge, they begrudge selfishness, and they begrudge stinginess. And I've had it. I had people say, well, you know, I could tie to you, Dr. Christ, but we're supposed to tie up. Are you kidding? I sit right up there with Jesus Christ. You know, you can't get any higher than that. I know that because very few people have produced what I've done. And you don't invest in it. And then you want God to invest in something that's all. You don't even know if those people that you tie into please him. You don't know what they're doing to him. Your tithe goes where God says. It goes where God says. It's money. Just like the government uses your taxes where they need. Your tithe goes where God says. Your offering goes where God says. A lot of you sold into works that were dying, and he told you to stop sowing, but you didn't. You kept on because you felt like you were going to uh, head off, send off their fall, and it didn't work. Your tithe goes where God says. Is anybody hearing me today? Prophet Ashley? I'm telling you, a lot of you talking about, well, I don't know why I didn't get, I, I, I sold all of that, but God probably told you not to sow in that. But you know what? You sold in it because they were popular, because they were trending. And so you sold because of what you saw, which means you sold according to the flesh. And you should have sold according to to the spirit, which means you would have done what God told you to do. Some of you all, you had good sense, and you saw this is whatever. You're like, God, you have, you have your tithes and your offerings in the bank. you saying to God, God, I'm just waiting for you to tell me, and you keep putting in it because you're faithful. <laughs> so you keep putting it in the bank. You keep putting your offerings in the bank, and you say, well, I don't have any way to send it yet. God, until you tell me, I'm just going to keep on increasing it and keep on increasing it until he tells you. And then when he tells you, you know where to go. You're tithed. Yeah. An offering goes where God says. If God set you in the church and he told you not to leave, that's where they go. But they go where God says because it, the tithe is not your church's. Your tithe does not belong to your church. Your tithe is deposited and dispersed through your church. But your tithe belongs to the Lord. Okay, you know, Prophet D, I guess you're going to be mm-hmm. chipping around soon. Mm-hmm. Well, you're on fire. Even your nails are on fire. Yeah, did you see? And sparkle. Got my sparkle. See? Well, uh, who would have known this would be the door to go through today? I think this is timely. It's powerful. Uh, You know, saints are really quick to dog out the church for being sub-level, sub-par, all these things, Mm -hmm. but they are sending their economy somewhere else. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all still operating and being successful and excellent the same way. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no miracle veneer that comes over us because we're ministers. And the Lord says, he waves a magic wand and says, I know you don't have any money. So whew, here you go, like bippity-boppity-boo, and there it is, mm-hmm. from Disney film. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> there Boom! It it's the miracle excellence, and it's just there. Wow, thanks, God, because, you know, it wasn't coming from anywhere else. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. That is not how his kingdom works. And so I appreciate that. A lot of people appreciated that. Well, let me say this, too, on that subject. 
you know, you have been sold a bill of goods, and that good that, that bill of goods was, was meant to bankrupt you. And here's why. You've been told not to sow into anything that's starting. You've been told not to sow in anything that needs you. So you have become one who ignores the needs of others, especially the needs of God. You have been told not to sow in little people and, and not to sow in the insignificant. You've been told to sow on the big stage, sow to the big minister, and keep them going. And you've never thought that God needed you to help them build the next thing that he is bringing up. You never thought about that. Do you know investors distinguish themselves because they can look at the tiny, they can look at the minuscule and know that it's going to be big and they want to be a part of getting in on the ground floor. I also want to be the ones to say, yeah, but God used me to help build that. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I just have to insert this. Dr. Price will be in Maryland yes. Sunday, May 27th. Yeah. yeah. I uh, don't want to miss this opportunity. <laughs> and she will be with, we will actually be with our prophet Lisa Thompson. She's a member of NEAR and Arrested, Unleashing Arrested Development Ministries. And we'll be at the Double Tree Hotel. If you are uh, on 9100 Basil Court in Largo, Maryland, you can look on Dr. Price's Facebook. Prophet Dia will probably send out an email if she hasn't already to everybody who was on our mailing list getting you know one day only. Hurry, hurry, hurry. <laughs> Sunday, May 27th, because we'll already be in D.C., and then we're going to migrate over. Prophet Lisa was like, hold on, we have to take advantage of this situation right now. She thought I was going to be in her territory. She's like, hold on. <laughs> Let us create a place. Yes, and they are fired up. So I wanted to say that you will be there. I will be we there. We will be there, but she will be. And you all see, I'm walking in some, some very new fire and very new power. I'm, I am so different now. It tickles me. I'm like, wow, God, so when did I learn to do, woo, when did I start doing that? Wow, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I like one of the statements you said earlier, well, so many. But sick people can't make other people well, medically speaking. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine your surgeon cutting hot you? <laughs> Hold on, give me. Uh, no, yeah, you're dying. Right. Yeah, which is why they're covered up from the top to the bottom, and they have to scrub them and scrub their skin off of their hands mm-hmm. every time. Because what, over the years, they realize cross-contamination mm-hmm. is why people die, not from the procedure, but from the infection mm-hmm. afterwards yeah. and the lack of sanitation. And so thinking about, even as ministers and leaders, how important it is for us to be healed. Exactly, which is why I want you in my private mentorship circle. So you can be healed and you will not cross-contaminate your emotional dysfunctions and your emotional and psychological issues to your congregation unwittingly and unintentionally. <laughs> is your private mentorship circle just for leaders? Nope. Or is it for anyone who fits the criteria? It's for anyone who fits the criteria. You want to buy the truth and sell it not. You want to get your soul mm-hmm. restored. Come on. I mean, let's be real. I'm a different woman. You know, sometimes you are you are changed by the things that happen to you. The only question is, are you changed to become more mature and wiser? Are you changed to become bitter and dysfunctional and just unpleasant? My thing is that it made me better, and I'm telling you, this is worth it. It's worth it because I know what God gave me, but I also know what he wants to do with his people. You want to call, don't forget, call Prophet Ashley, 877-419-1299, so you can get information on it, because it is private. There will be private access, and it will be exclusive. Now, I know we'll have some unethical folks that'll say, well, that's all right, I'll pay once, and then I'll have it. Yeah, you think so, but my mantle is good enough so that I can kind of overturn that. 
so delicate. Yes. Um, I like how you said your will determines your wellness. And uh, you like that, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> that was a little pinch, I think. Uh, on that, how we are really taught that it's always external things. Mm-hmm. It's this, it's that, it's the situation, it's a person, I'm stressed. I'm and that's what leads us to not being well. Mm-hmm. I don't have the money, but um, when your will is determined to be well mm-hmm. and willing to do what the process is, we've seen people, you get the recommendation from the doctor, mm-hmm. here is what you have to do. We've seen people who do it. We've seen people who don't, and you have two different outcomes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that could be just, you know, a sprained ankle. They're trying to tell you, stay off of this ankle. Don't do it. Oh, these doctors, take the thing off your foot. I know what I'm doing. And and then you've messed yourself up permanently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you just won't follow it through. So That's your good. will being a huge, huge part of your wellness more than anything else. Well, you know, I always say your will is your taskmaster. And so your will is the taskmaster to push the other elements of you to work on your behalf. And so you have to decide what you want. I've had people who say, you know, say, but, you know, it's not my fault that I was abused as a child. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's somebody else's fault, the will of the person, of your abuser. But it is your fault what you do with that. What you do with that experience, how you take that experience, it is your fault what you do with that raw material of agony, suffering, pain, and abuse. That is on you. You can decide to say it's going to be become a resolve in my heart that I take care of kids like that, and I see to it that they're no longer left in the homes. A lot of these people that we see in human services, they have that resolve. They resolve that these kids should be in a, have a better life, and children should not be vulnerable, and they, they should not be victims of abusers and, and all of that. They, it's what they do with their pain. Pain is pain. If something's going to happen painful in everybody's life at least three or four, ten times uh, on the planet, but it's what you do with that pain. Can you go through that pain and discover purpose? Can you mine your pain to discover purpose and to fulfill destiny? Because that's really what it's all about. The greatest people in the world have very painful beginnings, yes. very painful stories, but they, they refuse to be defined by the pain, and they chose to use it for the benefit of others. So it is your will. Your will determines. If you want to feel sorry for yourself, that's a decision of your will, and you will task your will to see to it that you only find people who will let you commiserate. Hmm. <laughs> Did you want to go on or you want to give her a oh, shot? We come go. back to you. Okay. You, we can bounce it back and forth. We don't have to be linear. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> uh, today was so you good. Got pages. I, know, I, I, know, I know. Today was so good. I, I, I think that what you taught today about time, we so misunderstand this concept. And I, I think I'm very bewildered sometimes that we understand citizenship in every other kingdom but God's. Mm-hmm. Like we just mm-hmm. we don't know how to be citizens of the kingdom of God and um, we don't we don't quite understand how that works yet we, we understand that concept in every mm-hmm. other society. And every society I, I love what you talked about today. I, I I feel like what you talked today was how God survives. Like how does God's kingdom survive? Mm-hmm. The requirements for how money is dealt with. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. how every every kingdom survives. There's there are requirements to every kingdom with how money flows in and out of that mm-hmm. kingdom to make that kingdom thrive and survive. And I guess I'm just surprised that we don't believe that God would want 
posterity in his kingdom, that he would want his, his ministries and his organizations to survive and to thrive, and that he wouldn't give his people some kind of requirement for how that's done. I think about this and what you talked today on the tithing, and I guess it makes me think, um, and I always think about this when anybody comes out with doctrines and, and, and sayings, what if every single person did that? Mm-hmm. So if we say that tithing isn't important, what if every single person said it wasn't important? Right. Every single vessel. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love what you teach because God is God would not release something that cannot be multiplied. Exactly. And, and, that, and that he doesn't want to replicate. So I love it. Uh, multiplication it just and replication. It just made me think that today. Um, that's good, man. Uh-huh. You talked about leveraging your for your future calamity. And having, having something drawn, I don't know if you said that already, leveraging your future command, no. um, but I just thought that that was really powerful because you've taught on this before, how, how people will be in dire situations, you know, but because they were faithful givers, mm-hmm. you know, they, were faithful, they were faithful to sow, they had something to draw on, mm-hmm. you know, I always tell people, you know, like, and this I get from you, you know, when I'm mentoring and in our, in our sessions and our advisors, I say, but you got to have something to bring to God. You got to bring God, I was, but mm-hmm. listen. Lord, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was yeah. faithful. Yes, you know what I mean. But yes. God, I was faithful. You know, I I love this, love this so much. Um, you said He doesn't need your money, but He needs you to have Him in your consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so good. Yeah. He doesn't need your money. You know, um, like God personally doesn't need doesn't need your money. Need your money. Right. But let's go to what you said. But His kingdom, His kingdom does. does. Why does he use this phrase? 
Why does he use this phrase? Malachi 3, 8. And he'll tell you, unlike um, 3, 7, where he says, even from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances, have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Wait a minute. God, you said, what? Just because God said, I will never leave you, meaning I'm not going to exit your being, does not mean that he is going to set his approval on your disapproved act. He said, return to me and I will return to you, um, said the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein have we, shall we return? He said, how do we show we return to God? Now, look at this. Can we go here? Yeah. I need a, oh, hold on. I got to slap something. You hold that. You slap that. There we go. Now we slapped up. We caught up. There we go. But what does he say here? He said, but you said, wherein shall we return? How do we prove that we return to God? Mm. We never that. He said, will a man rob God? Wow. Context. When you start robbing him, you're letting him know that you are literally drifting away from him. When you just, because when people punish and prosper with their money, you're either going to punish with your money or you're going to prosper with your money. And he said, well, a man robbed God, yet you have robbed me. So the reason you and God are estranged My is mind. because you, you didn't think your money mattered. You didn't think that. You thought you were punishing your pastor. You thought you were punishing your church. You thought you were punishing the intercessor that got on your nerves. And the first thing you do it with is your money. So you literally started robbing God's portion and giving it to another God. And so, now we always hear this, what a man robbed God, but I think verse 7 is very important because it makes a statement. And it says, Wherein have we robbed you? And he said, well, in tithes and offerings. Not just tithes, but offerings. Your entire economic stream, you divert to what is against God. You divert to what hates him. You divert. And he says, ye are a, a curse with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You know, it's what, so you all have heard that and whatever, but every now and then you need to, even when you preach it, you have to go back and read these scriptures mm-hmm. so that you can refresh yourself on what it's saying. He says, so number one, he said, number one, you have, first of all, gone away from me. Number two, you've gone away from my ordinances. You don't even care about the fact that I have them. And then number three, you need to return to God. And how do you prove you return to him? By ceasing to rob him, by ceasing to divert his economy to the world. And so he says, you are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. You bankrupted this man's house. That's why he can't help the poor the way he wants to. And you know who's picking up the slack? The world is picking up the slack, but they're picking up the slack and, and using it as a condition that people abandon Christ that people stop being Christian, that people consider Buddha, that they consider Brahma, that they consider um, the, the Taoism, they consider another religion, they consider, uh, they consider Satanism because that's who's paying. Mm. So you want my help? You're going to come under our culture. So 
And, and, and so people are going to, I mean, come on, needy people, poor people, the impoverished, they're going to go where they can get their needs met. And because you have stopped it. Why do you think before we got this president, everybody did everything to bankrupt Christianity's ability to serve the poor, to serve their community? Because they want people to have a bad taste in their mouth about Christ, and they want the church to cease having the dominion over people's souls. So they passed those laws that this president is doing his best to save off. They passed those laws where they, the Catholic charities, we're going to take away your 501c3 because they've already programmed the giver, the sower, and the investor to not do anything with anyone who doesn't meet IRS code standards. So that program is working. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That program is working. So now that that program is working, now all we have to do now is we've got the, the person to say, you're not going to get a, 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 what do you call it, a deduction from your giving. You're, you're going to uh, be punished for giving anything to Christ and Christianity. Why? Because this whole campaign is to break the back of the church and to loose people from the yoke of Jesus Christ. And you have been an unwilling partner or participant in that campaign. You didn't plan to do it. You love Jesus. But you know what? You weren't in a place where you can see the strategy. That's what I like. Apostles are supposed to see the tactics and the strategies before they come down the line. So we have the Catholic, all of those charities, uh, all of those people had to abandon their Christian ethics, their Christian identity to stay in favor enough to have the economy to keep doing what God called them to do. Because people stop sowing unless they conform to IRS code. Now, before we had the IRS code and before the IRS started working for Satan, listen, when it used to be blessed in the church, before they started working for Satan, you didn't have these issues. People sold out of the goodness of their heart. They sold out of gratitude. They sold out of thankfulness. They gave out of their commitment and their belief that they were on the planet to make someone else's life better. And then now it's becoming none of that. It's all about either the code or, or, or the businessman is going to sell to somebody who doesn't need it and hope they do right with it. Yeah. Yeah. So he says here, Bring ye all, all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat. Meat means money. They had meat because they did not have a, a, a cash currency. So they put meat. Today, that there may be money in my house. And prove me now herewith. And prove me with your tithes. You want to prove me? Prove me with your tithes. Said the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven. So when you stop tithing, your portal closed. And God closed the flow. So that, that trickle, that's why you went down, you got laid off. You shouldn't have gotten laid off, but you did, because God wanted you to know, you don't take care of me, I don't have to take care of you. You don't take care of my needs, I don't have to. You don't take care of my house, I don't have to take care of your house. It's a business. It's a transaction. It's not just a religious edict. It's not a canonic thing. It is literally the person and the, the sovereign on the throne who has to take care of all creation and all these needs saying, I can't waste my time with people who don't think I'm worth it. And so he says, and I will pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room to receive it. Now, so he said, number one, bring your tithes. Number two, Put money in my house. Number three, prove me with your tithes. 
Number four, your, let your tithe open the windows of heaven. When they're open, pour you out a blessing. And he's saying you don't have abundance because you haven't followed the protocol for God to replete your reserves. You have no reserves in God, no reserves in heaven, no economic reserves. I don't care who you are. I'm telling you criminals all the time. I, I mean, I'm not saying be a criminal because God knows I really wish God would save it all. But, you know, they need to suck. You know, you you got all these people, but I can't take unrighteous man and baby. You know what? You take a dirty glass, wash it in the dishwasher, drink some water out of it. Yeah. I'm a blessed, sanctified, and hold it up. Let me tell you, them Philistines gave God tumors and rats. And he said, do not take them. I'm keeping them. They gave them to me. They're my tumors. They're my rats. Verse 11, he said, and I will rebuke the devourer for yourself, I mean, for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the fields, said the Lord. He said, and all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, said the Lord. He said, now look at what he's saying, because see, you have to look at the protocol. These are protocols. These are prosperity protocols. I want you to write it down. Prosperity protocols. Prosperity has protocols, guys. And so he's laying it out. And in this here, he didn't say anything about being moral. He didn't say anything about being righteous. He didn't say anything about being godly or holy, because right now, this is an economic protocol. Now, other things up above, he talks about all of those moral righteous things, you know, take care of the lost, you know, take care of the hungry, feed the fatherless, don't oppress the hireling, pay people, and when you owe, a lot of you all owe people wages you won't even pay you got the money. I want you to understand, you curse your blessings when you, when you withhold people's wages. Mm-hmm. Pay them what they are, owe or do. But this is from Malachi 3, 6 through 12. Six verses lay out the protocol of prosperity and security, financial, economic security. And so he says, now, once your blessings are flowing, I'm going to go a step further, and I'm going to protect them. I'm going to make sure that the harvest that you yield is protected. That's why the tithe is protection money. And so he says, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. Well, why is he going to have to rebuke the devourer just because you bring it some time? Because the devourer is authorized by your neglect of the tithe. You've authorized the devourer to come into your house. You've authorized the devourer to go after your fruit. You've authorized the devourer to cause your fruit to cast your, your, your cast. Itself, in other words, unripe, fall to the ground. Your trees can't hold your, your fruit. And people don't call you blessed because you neglect the tithe. This is a protocol for prosperity, the key element of which is the tithe. And the second is the offering. And, I, I, you know, God won't let me get off of this. Some of you all, God wants to bless. He's mm-hmm. asking you, I need you to give me something to work with. Because the devourer is saying to me that he has a right because he's read this book too. So the devourer is saying, you can't stop me because they paid for me. They paid for me to be here. They paid for me to go after their fruit. They 
paid for me to, to poison their ground. They paid for me to stunt their growth. They paid me to do this. They paid for the calamity that I have in their lives because they did not give you the time. I got it. And I got to give them something for what they gave me. See, these, you may have the word, and you may have the words, but what we've lacked is the wisdom. Ooh. And that is why you're still stuck. You're still trying to make it. And every week you tell God, I know I should pay my tithes, but I don't have it. And so the devourer will say, yeah, you don't because you paid it to me. And God says, so then you let him handle your life. Because you're paying him. He's one of your accounts. He's your vendor. The devourer is your vendor. And he's vending in your life. See, those of you who are listening to me today, I bet you you will always find a tithe in today. <laughs> I bet you you're going to find some tithe. I bet you you're going to catch God up. Because some of you all need to catch God up. If you don't have a church, that's all right. I'm here. I said, I'm, the, I'm the apostle that brought you the wisdom. I'm the apostle that explained it. I'm the apostle that, that made you understand it. You owe me. Sow me a seed. Number one, if you don't have a church, bring your tithes to me, to Congregation of the Mighty, 877-419-1299. They're waiting for you. Or go to my website, drpaulaprice.com. Um, and say, Dr. Price, your word blessed me today. I am so convicted. I want to clean up my personal economic views and persuasions with the Lord. I want to clean them up. And to clean them up, you need to catch God up. If you figured out you haven't paid tithes and so often, then you're going to pay a tithe plus, you're going to pay back. You're going to add a little something. Because you have to, you have to get caught up. Why? Because you want God to do some major things. You're trying to buy a house, can't get credit approved. Let me tell you something. When God's pleased with you, you're gonna get credit out of an apple seed. Oh, Dr. Paula Price, D R P A U A L P A U L A A P R I C E and I want you to do this because I'm telling you, and you need to send this to your friends and send it to your preachers and send it to your pastors because a lot of them are saying what they heard. They're not saying what they, what they learned. They're saying what they heard. And a lot of them unwittingly and unfortunately put you in a position where you failed in this particular duty of yours. It is your duty to see to it that God's kingdom is flourishing, that it's wealthy, that it's preponderous, so that God's churches can thrive. That is our duty. And the wealthier you are, the more this duty is incumbent upon you and your wealth. And you need to stop saying, I'm not giving to a church because they don't handle money. But you get to bad investments all the time, and you write them off. Well, when you pay a tithe according to the tax code, you write it off. So what is your issue? Your issue is that you've been blinded by rhetorical doctrine. You've been blinded by the imaginations and the dictates of spiritual leaders who picked up what they heard through dinner and airplane flights, etc. You know I'm having fun, right? I'm just so I'm caught up. I'm telling you that you need to understand. Teach your children to tithe 
If you're a business person, you need to tithe. And don't be so caught up about getting that IRS deduction that you refuse to tithe so that you don't get a harvest. Because, see, the harvest God is going to give you is greater than that little piece of deduction that the government is going to allow you. So don't get so caught up in that that you miss the bumper crop and you're settling, settling for a bushel. God can give you the whole field, the whole vineyard, the whole orchard. Don't get so caught up in it because you've been taught that. That's how Satan talked you out of taking care of God's business. Well, you know, I can't get my deduction. That little piece of deduction means nothing to Jesus Christ. The Bible said that in him are hid all the riches of wisdom and knowledge. Think about that passage, the riches of wisdom. That means there's an economy in the wisdom God wants to release to you that can far exceed that little allowance. You all in all of those meetings, scared to half to death? Instead of listening to God, God said, go do, do. God said, go drop, drop. God said, go give this, give that. And when you do it, you have created a covenant because money creates a covenant that God has to perform because he's a God of covenants. God, I did this and you told me, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Lord, look what I got. <laughs> I told you, you only get it once. Come on. It's beautiful. Yay. Yay. Oh, let's move it up. Yay. Oh, look, guys. My five-year celebration on the Paula Price Show at Blog Talk Radio and Yay. Yay. Thank God. I blow it out? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, yes. Facebook. Thank you, Periscope. And double thanks to you, Blog Talk Radio listeners. Thank you. We got five years that we've done this. Yes. Ah. Uh, and you've hung with me that long. Mm-hmm. Mm. Love you, family. Love you, love you, love you. Don't forget, go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com, to find out where I'm going to be in Maryland. That's important. And by all means, if you don't have a church, you don't have a pastor, catch the Lord up, pay your tithes. Go to drpaulaaprice.com. And also, you can call us, 877-419-1299, especially if you want to enjoy my private mentorship circle. Well, until Sunday, when we're back with <laughs> the Congregation of the Mighty and Scripture Organic, Healthy Unmodified Christianity. I love you guys, and I mean it. And if you all have the spirit of Christ inside, you know I love you. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. <laughs> this is beautiful. I like this color. This is great. It's my favorite color. <laughs>